Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Welcome to the podcast. Another um, Sans Jamie episode because Jamie's has had a second baby. Who'd have thought that one uh. possible? Now he's gone and have another, and he's in baby bunker dealing with um, whatever that means. <laughs> like Helen O'Hara joins me. Helen from Empire Magazine and um, Hello. and her own enterprises. It's been a long time, Helen. Too long. Too long. Yeah, the last time we spoke, it must have, I think it was in the last year and a half, but it. Hmm. It was like three weeks ago. It's funny how when you see people that you've not spoken to, I, I, I spoke to a friend who I've not spoken to, I think, for 20 years the other day. And it's totally true that you just carry on where you left yeah. off. Yeah, I've, I've I had a similar friend who um, came, was Portuguese, came to our school, went, through, went right through school with us, um, and then had a baby quite soon after she graduated. And so we, you know, we vaguely kept in touch sometimes on Facebook over the years, but not really. Yeah. And when we finally actually find ourselves in the same city, it was exactly like we'd never stopped yeah. talking. Which is why I don't want to go to any school reunions ever. Because <laughs> it's like, I, you have in your mind, you'll think, well, the people who picked on me, they'll have changed. They'll be more mature and they'll feel <laughs> sorry for what they did. And they won't. They'll be exactly the same. You show up and the first thing they'll do is like give you a wedgie or whatever. <laughs> oh, no. Come on. <laughs> I, I, wasn't, I don't think I was ever given a wedgie, but no. yeah, I would have preferred it, I think, to the mental abuse. <laughs> <laughs> the mental so, torment. Yeah, exactly. Um Helen and I have just been talking about the world and uh, fake news, newspapers and all sorts. I think it's interesting talking to Helen because, uh, oh, do we even want to get into any of this? I don't know if we do. Let's just say uh, it's, I, I'm, I'm struggling not to find the world depressing at the moment because mm. people are, um, people have been given... Trump, Trump did it better than anybody. And the method is this. If, let's say you are a thief. Let's say you go and steal somebody's handbag. And then somebody walks around the corner and puts a camera in your face. Before they can even ask you a question, what you need to do is accuse your enemy of being a thief. Mm -hmm. That's the method. It's what Trump does. Um, so people who use the term fake news more often than not, even if they know it or not more often than not, they themselves are the liars. Mm -hmm. They themselves are the ones. And this is the trick that I've seen more and more. And it's massively distressing. It's no different from school, school bullies, right? Or it's no different of a, of a kid. It's essentially a kid pointing at another kid yeah, their mouth is covered in chocolate, and they point at the other kid and say, "Mom, she ate the chocolate." Mm -hmm. I think that yeah, it's quite it is that level of childishness for sure, um, but with a certain degree of malignancy because I think people who are of you know maybe let's say 
the sort of the classic uninformed voter that they talk about in the US, um, yeah. who, you know, hasn't been keeping up on the issues, doesn't obsessively follow this stuff, because we shouldn't have to. This is this is a mm. thing that a lot of people said during the Trump era. You know, the, the reason that they're looking forward to Biden coming into power is not because they think he's amazing, not because th they think he's going to ch fundamentally change the world for the better. He'll be better than Trump, but that's not, that's not a high bar. We all know that. Mm. They just want somebody to feel like somebody competent is there trying their best so they can start ignoring politics, right? So all the people who have been ignoring politics are the sort of classic uninformed voters. Mm. And there is a, a number of those people who are yeah, a sort of subsection who are then um, vulnerable to this kind of disinformation tactic. Because of course, there have been mistakes made on both sides of the political spectrum. So if somebody comes to you and says, they're all as bad as each other, maybe you are inclined to believe them. You know, and maybe you're inclined to give that credence because, quite frankly, it is credible that both sides make mistakes, 100% credible. But the problem is, the problem that arises and what we're seeing more and more in the real world is when one side, and it really is one side, completely abandons any attempt at good faith, completely yeah. abandons any attempt to rationally explain things, to do what is rationally Decency best. And Decency. Yeah. And completely abandons any attempt to apologize when things go horribly wrong. And that yeah. is genuinely what we're saying. And I, you know, I'm trying to, I really am trying to sort of, uh, you know, account for my own biases when I say this. I mean, I will absolutely be first in line to criticize Jeremy Corbyn's leadership. I think he was a terrible party leader. I don't think he's a necessarily a terrible person, but I think he was a terrible, terrible leader of the opposition yeah. um, because he couldn't call them on their, frankly, you know, nonsense. Yeah. I'm using polite words to try and be polite. You can say but, what you um, okay, good. He wouldn't call them on their bullshit. Like mm. four years of Brexit bullshit that they've just spouted unchallenged in this country. The same thing with the US. You know, we've got these Democrats who are worried about sort of decorum and still worried about this kind of both sidesism. And you know, the other side has abandoned all pretense at civility, has abandoned all pretense at, at uh, equivalence. Yeah. So, you know, you, you see this in the arguments they made about the Supreme Court. So when a Supreme Court judge dies about nine months before uh, Obama leaves office, it's far too close to the end of his term for him to be allowed to mm. nominate a successor, yeah. despite the fact that that's not a thing. That's not a rule. Yeah. But when a Supreme Court justice dies like 20 or so days before the election that kicked Trump out, mm -hmm. he is entirely um, justified and indeed obligated to fill yeah. that seat. And, and there is, they know that that's a contradiction. They know that's hypocritical. Yeah. And the difference is they don't care at no, all. Well, that's the issue. And there are two separate things here in terms of what the left needed to learn and... Mm -hmm and what decency is anyway. Because mm -hmm. when the gloves are off, if you take that metaphor, and that's what you're saying, is one side has taken the gloves off and said, it doesn't matter. Winning is the only thing. It's the only thing that matters. That yeah. matters. Um, when, if, if you have an actual fight and somebody takes the gloves off and both sides, you, you then invite the other side, they must take their gloves off. And they... Either way, and the yes. fight only ends in one way, which is yeah. a horrible, horrible, bloody yes. mess. mess. Um, and, and I get the whole they go low, we go high thing, and, and that's what I want to do. <sighs> but at the same time, 
that only works if you are constantly getting out the message, not just saying, but actively communicating to people, having them listen to you when you say they are lying to you. Yeah. They, this is a lie. This is a, this is hypocrisy. And when those people then care about that enough for it to have consequences, because that's the problem. We're not seeing consequences. Now, the wider issue, and God, I'm, I don't know, I'm not a political journalist, but you know, I read a lot of, about this. And, and so forgive me if I'm uninformed in some, in some respects. But the wider issue, it seems to me, is this disengagement and disenchantment with politics and this universal cynicism. I have, I have no place for kind of this nihilism that nothing matters, that nothing we do matters. I, I find it, I know I've talked about this a lot vis-a-vis films, I find it incredibly pointless even if it's true it's pointless even if it's true it makes your life worse um so why not try and believe literally anything else about the world believe that you have some modicum of power believe that what you do matters tell politicians that you care tell politicians that you see them taking money from oil companies and ignoring the environment tell them that write a letter it might not matter individually but if enough of us do it it will start to matter um you know and and that's the kind of the both sides there have been studies done which show that politicians don't actually listen to their constituents um the things that people say they care about in opinion polls that doesn't affect what gets done and majority of people now say they care about climate change that's not enough you know we need to act like it and we need to communicate to them that we are serious about this in the hope of having something change because at the moment you know, we've got one side who are merrily watching the world burn to own the libs. Yeah. And I mean, they are a death cult. They will literally allow themselves and each other to die of COVID rather than wear a mask because, you know, they think that the people wearing the masks are liberals. I just, it's this, this mindless hatred is, is kind of Um, all encompassing. And yet humans are still beautiful people mm, yeah uh, and, and a lot of these people are the people who voted for these people are probably good kind yeah. decent humans to one another individually but the problem is they're not considering the effect that that has on immigrants on minorities on gay people on you know anyone but, but, who isn't their immediate they, circle yeah exactly but they don't care about that and i've and i have got mm. some truck with that because it's a traditional part of our ecosystem if you like is that you tend to have um, you have issues. All voting happens based on how a policy can improve my life. That's how people mm. vote, and that's why the left have gone so horribly wrong. Is that they they haven't Corbyn absolutely failed to suggest a vision that most people can buy into and go yes i can get behind that i get what this is about and i want those things as part of as part of our ecosystem traditionally you know my granddad was a farmer and therefore Mm. conservative and if you live in the middle of a field in the middle of nowhere where your where the seasons affect how much you're able to feed your family you do not want you want to pay as little tax that is relevant to people who live far away as possible and the same is true of people who I've met in Nevada and um, mm. who are pro-gun and pro-Republican, but also are fundamentally really, really nice human beings. And that their belief is, look, my 
whole thing is we all live on ranches. We, um, you know, we believe that our neighbors should be able to do anything they want. If it doesn't mess around with our land or whatever, they can do whatever they want on their land. And that's the respect that we've got. And that's yeah. a tradition that I can that's, understand. And I, I understand that. that intellectually. Yeah. Yeah. But, Practically. But. I know they, they, that, that farm doesn't get to exist without the cities that it's also feeding and therefore mm-hmm. you have a social responsibility. But, and, but, and just, you know, driving on roads and, you know, educating exactly. your children. And I mean, the, the problem is, of course, that one of the things that the right wing has done and part of their kind of bad faith move, I think, has been to, to actively try since Thatcher and Reagan to actively try to break down the post-war sort of social contract, which was this sense of unity that came out. It was fostered during the war years. And it also grew organically during the war years, just from the fact that people were meeting and working with and uh, living and dying alongside people, not of their own social class, of their own racial group, of whatever else. They were being exposed to each other in a way that we don't always get. And that created this sense of unity yeah. which they literally are trying to tear apart. And one of the ways they're trying to do it is by making public services worse. They are actively trying to, to put pressure on the NHS, for example, so that when they say we need to sell it off, we as a country will go, you know what, something does need to be done. Yeah. And that, but that's a choice. It's not that the NHS is inherently... That's what, I'm, that's what that's, I mean. I that's can, what I you're... Can, yeah. I can have truck with, with individuals who... For me, it's the difference between being self-employed and employed. You know, I've spent mm. most of my life self-employed. I am now mostly mm. employed. And right. I'm happy to pay more tax now that I'm employed. <laughs> it's different when you're self-employed because you don't know what's around the next corner. Now that, from an individual basis, that is probably healthy that we have a variety of views, that, that things that seem to matter selfishly to mm. different people what you're talking about which is the scary new thing is the active destruction of the other it's the it's seeking to destroy seeking to dismantle those things and part of you know maybe part of what what, what that comes from you know unions for example in the early days unions were quite conservative in some ways in in Mm. the early days because the message was about uh, you know, fundamentally, a union is about a bunch of people who are collectively getting together for their benefit. Yeah, Not and they could be else. very, yeah, they could be very, very corrosive to the rights of other people. And, and yeah. for example, racist, you'd get a lot of unions that were, were closed yeah. shops to black people, for example. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that, that kind of um, flag flying, mm. torch burning thing can go both ways. It and can. It necessarily... And, but you know the the thing is like i think again this is the part of the disenchantment isn't it that came out of the reagan and thatcher era this disenchantment with unions and, and the attacks on their power because there have been unions that you know in historically behaved really badly I, you know mm-hmm. i don't think any of us i'm very left-wing i'm not going to stand up for the teamsters in the 1960s because yeah. they were mafia ridden and corrupt up the up the yeah. wazoo there's no question yeah. but at the same time you know unions have given us um sick pay and holiday pay and the weekend mm. you know and mm. the the concept of bank holidays and all of incredible things that we take absolutely for granted yeah. came from union activism and there are things like this that collective action can do 
I know I sound like an activist. This is amazing. Uh, the collective act- yeah. action can do that, that individual action cannot. I mean, you know, you know, and I know for having been freelancers, um, freelance life and having to advocate for yourself all the time on every single point is very, very difficult. And you yeah. are at, as an individual person working with large companies, you can often be at a real disadvantage. Big time. Um, and th- things like unions yeah. are meant to kind of balance that up a bit. No and- union for radio presenters. And I, and I tell <laughs> you that the other thing is that, you know, one of, one of the things that I do now full time is to do with innovation and mm. looking at the future of work. And that actually in both cases that like the company that I used to work for that, you might be familiar with um certainly there there was no union in there for for the job that i did and the Mm. business would have been better their business yeah their money would have increased if they'd had a mechanism to really listen to people on the front line yeah and whether that's union or whether that and and businesses are going to have to do this in the future because and i suppose this is a positive if you do dismantle people's rights and if you do make everybody essentially behave more like a gig economy Mm. within a gig economy, then where you actually get to is that you have no power over them in terms of saying, well, you won't have any progression in this job for the next 20 years if you don't do as I say, because they'll go, I don't expect it to be here longer than six months. So mm. why should I? So if you want a workforce that will stick around, if you want a workforce that actually believe in what they're doing, you, you have to start looking at things like a genuine sense of well-being amongst staff, genuine innovation yeah. genuine I mean, progression and not fake not fake versions of it because people are I, I, it's it's really hard for me to take a lot of companies seriously when they talk about this stuff because you know fruit uh, in reception yeah, yeah. i mean because you know the 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 trade-off that they're proposing is essentially you know certainly in journalism and okay journalism is an industry in particularly um bad shape in some respects right now um but what you're looking at is, okay, you're going to have a newsroom that's half the size or a third of the size that it used to be. We expect you to, to produce more, not less, because we're now keeping our website updated or our podcasts or our video spots or whatever else that that particular organization is doing. So we expect far fewer of you to do far more for far less money, but it's okay because we have a therapist on call you can talk yeah. to when you get overwhelmed. <laughs> and, you know, that is not actually, that it is not something work, that, Helen. But the, well, this the, is it. It's, it's not just bad for the newsroom. It's bad for the whole of society because what you have is a whole, our whole generations getting burnt out. You have whole generations who will never be able to buy a house yeah. You have whole generations who can't afford to have kids and maintain a, you know, not just a sort of middle class lifestyle, but just like a, a safe lifestyle where they know they have enough income to look after that child. It's and people it's are making very rational decisions. Yeah, it's, a shame. it's horrific. But just like with climate change, you know, essentially the the point with climate change is it's us that's going to get damaged the, the planet's fine like the planet will burn us all it'll flood us all we'll all disappear and the planet will become something else in terms of like is mother nature going to stop existing no we're going to stop existing if we don't stop pissing around these middle generations Go on. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I, that 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 approach, I, I hear that a lot as yeah. regards to climate change, and, and again, that feels nihilistic to me a little bit, just because well, I know you don't, I know you don't mean it that way, but like, yeah. the thing is, right, 
I'm trying to get a better position on my Earth. beanbag. Carry <laughs> <Sorry>. on. <laughs> Carry on. Like Earth, Earth will exist, but lots of what we think is beautiful about Earth won't exist. Yeah. Lots of what we think is valuable about Earth won't exist. And and you know, if any, like if aliens ever land on Earth, they'll be like, "What the fuck did these wankers do?" Like, Maybe. and also th- there's the, there's the other nightmare scenario, which is it's not going to be a clean sort of womb, whoosh everybody's gone it's going to be a slow awful decline decline yeah. where millions of people maybe die at a time of yeah. you know storms and uh you know climate change and, and starvation and famine and um disease um i mean there's yeah. there's an argument that coronavirus is partly at least caused by climate change and partly at least caused by people who can't farm going and eating wild animals this is you know, this is real shit, and it's going to be like centuries of shitness yeah. uh, that destroy our civilization. But they do not mm. actually destroy us, and we're still there, scrabbling out a living. We're just reduced to the Stone Age. This is not a cool scenario. No, no, I anyway. don't think it is a cool scenario. The nihilistic thing. I, I, I'm just making a statement of fact. No, I, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, which, I do know what you mean. Which is to say, um the driver to the drivers to save the planet mm. need to be not about saving the planet the 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 message has been poorly communicated because oh, just yeah. like with Jeremy Corbyn they like we we have to start from a starting point just like the so post war as you said before mm-hmm. essentially world wars happened people came back and said we've proportionally these those of us who work in the factories and earn very little and are in danger we've died a lot more than the people who own the land so we now demand something different and that's where the welfare state and and Mm -hmm. labor all came from so um oh shit what was my point um climate change we need something similar with um but that is a, it's right, but it's also a selfish driver mm. because all of us act selfishly. I've sat down with friends who say, I would happily pay more tax. I believe, and I, and I say to them, then pay more tax. You can give you the government money. You can donate money to the government. And of course, they don't want to give up their mortgage and their whole house, and they don't want mm. to live in a kibbutz, otherwise they would be doing it. And we have to start from the point of view that it is selfishness which is a huge driver whether you've just come out of a world war or not and so the message that's given to people can't be it can't ever be do this in order to save a planet in 200 years Mm. it needs to be do this because your petrol will cost less it is it is do you know it is good but it is true. Okay, I don't think selfishness is the only driver because I'm a starry-eyed optimist, um, despite everything I'm saying right now. No, it isn't the only um, driver. But it is. But it is a driver. I hundred percent agree with that. It yeah. is a driver. Um, and I do think you're right that the message needs to be changed. Um, but I think what people need to understand, and and this is the thing that really freaks me out, is this is not two hundred years. This is the next fifty years. This is us in retirement age, having to deal with this shit. And genuinely, we are, you know, this, this whole idea of, oh, let's, you know, retire and go on cruises like our parents or our grandparents did. That mm-hmm. is 100% not happening for people in young adulthood right now. That is not going to be what we face as yeah. things stand. Um, 
we are going to face a really, really, really difficult world. We may face water wars where there is not enough fresh water to go around. And I know that seems impossible and far away in this country, but it is a real thing that is going to affect huge parts of the world. Those people are then going to be on the move, desperately looking for water, and other places are going to have to deal with more refugees. And as we've seen in the last five to 10 years, we're really bad at dealing with refugees in huge, uh, in huge and, numbers. And I don't look forward to watching that happen. No, exactly. Who wants to sit there and watch millions of people, you know, starve or uh, die of thirst? I just, so that's one factor. Um, but it's also that's in our own interest as well, because we're looking at more floods, we're looking at more heat waves, we're looking at more extreme weather of all sorts. And it's going to be the poor who traditionally include most retirees yeah. who are going to be most hard hit. This is absolutely in our interest to do this. Never mind your kids, never mind your grandkids, which you should also mind. You know, more people died from poverty this year than from, like in Britain, mm. than from any other cause. Mm. I think that's a true fact. I was on a training course last week. <laughs> if that's not exactly right, it's the, the it's point of the fact was yeah. poverty is the thing that we do not care about. It's the same as saying um, there's going to be water wars somewhere else. As long as we are not the ones experiencing it, and as long as it's not real for us, it's too easy to say, "Oh dear," yeah. and and just it is, and we um yeah, and it's it's a bad impulse on our our parts. But I think also we need to be reminded of this. You know, I think we need to be reminded that it's not, you know, the whole greed is good thing. I mean, that that line, by the way, in Wall Street um, by Oliver Stone was meant as satire. And instead, it's been adopted by entire generations as like their motto and their idea of cool. Like we've, I think we've got to flip socially a little bit. I think we've got to be. This is this is a little bit back getting back to the left wing taking the gloves off. But I think we've got to be more judgmental of bad behaviour. I think we've all got to be a bit more like vegans are. And I I don't yeah. say that lightly because I don't actually want to be vegan, but I understand that they do have. They are right. I mean, global food production is a massive contributor to climate change. And if we all let vegan, it would be a much, much, much smaller contributor. I don't want to give up dairy. Um, I don't have any plans to, but I feel like I should. And I'm beginning to feel like at the very least, we should all be feeling more like that about everything. Like people should yeah. be made to feel guilty about having unnecessarily insane cars. That should no, no longer I don't be. Think guilt works. Young women should not sleep with with guys who tur pull up in a flash car. Like I'm just saying that right now. If, if you <laughs> are an incredibly hot, <laughs> if you are an incredibly hot woman, that should be a massive turnoff for you. Like just do not do that. You have the power to save the planet. Yeah. <laughs> At least help. But I don't think that works. I don't think guilt ever is a is a good driver. I'm not saying I'm not saying guilt, but I I actually do think it can be a good driver. I think it can no. change people's people's behaviour. <laughs> no, you're 100 percent wrong. Um, <laughs> this is another example of fake news. <laughs> no, I I think look at masks. Look at mask wearing. There are people who have absolutely been guilted into mask wearing. 100. percent I know them. Um, have they been guilted into it, or are they yeah. just afraid of being? Well, they're afraid of like being you. pilloried or they're afraid of being yep yeah, that, that's all the well, same i, I think that that's true about. no no okay you're afraid right. of being judged right. let's say you're right if there is a if there is a, something like that then guilt can work um but if there's something that people enjoy doing and you try and guilt them out of it they it almost always leaves them doubling down on how much they do oh that sure yeah, yeah yeah and 
And that is my problem with standing up to fake news accusations. This mm. is the Box Set Pod on... Um, <laughs> um, we did have a point. Yeah, on Apple, on Apple's TV, they've got um, that boys, um, the boys' Senate thing. Uh, oh, you know where where they they see all the boys who are running for they go to like political camp. Mm-hmm. Seen that? No, I haven't. Oh, I think I've heard about it. Yeah, yeah, it does ring a bell, but I haven't watched it yet. So a lot of boys are got gotten together to Austin, I think it is, and it's like a political camp, and and many. Um, presidents have gone to this mm. thing. Oh yeah, yeah, it does ring a bell. Um, and uh, it's all boys, and they debate things, and they, they they are split into two teams, and they have to try and win an election, and and mm. they they have to take a, basically a, a left wing right wing position. Sure. Um, and and it doesn't matter where they come from; they've got to assume the opposite argument, sure. which is nice, you know, good t- traditional debate club type situation. But mm. in this documentary, what they follow is, I think, what 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 once would have been the traditional debate club activity um, is. It's really telling that even you know they're sixteen, seventeen year olds. This one guy, I think, he almost kind of wins the whole thing, and he's been making these incredibly um, anti-choice arguments, mm. um, anti-abortion arguments. This is the shit that we shouldn't say. We shouldn't say anti-choice. We say uh, anti-women being able to make up their own minds. And he makes these arguments. And in his piece to camera later, he, he goes, I am uh, completely pro-choice. Mm. Um, I was saying the things that I know would get everybody riled up. And that's what, that's what you learn about politics. Yeah. Um, and it's like, and it's literally seeing that mindset that you were talking about earlier, the Murdoch fueled mindset of it doesn't matter. Truth does not matter. And it's as long as, I can as, do to get a win. as long as whatever I can do to get a win, whatever we can do to get another viewer, but this is, I mean, this is, again, it's getting into that nihilism. It's getting into this sense that nothing matters, so I can just do whatever the fuck I want to win in this immediate moment. And I think that's really what, again, we have to kind of get past. I mean, he, you know, that's a kid, and I, I, I kind of know the the kind of person who would do that. Um, and and they're going to... Okay, here's the problem. We're, ta- we're treating real politics like it's a debate club. That's why we have, yes. you know... Boris Johnson in number 10 Dining Street. And that is a guy who has 100% all his life treated politics like a debate club. That is a guy who the night before um, deciding deciding on Brexit and whether to join the campaign wrote two op-eds, didn't he? He wrote one pro-EU and one anti. And then he basically just used the one that, you know, he decided to go with. And he went, and you cannot tell me otherwise, he went with the Brexit campaign because he thought it would be better for his political career. He thought they'd lose for a start, which was foolish and a risk. Yeah. And he thought, but he thought it would build his own personal base to challenge David Cameron for the Tory leadership. Yeah. That's a hundred, and I will never be convinced otherwise, because I'm just, I'm sure of it from the people involved. That's not a guy who treats the actual real world consequences of his actions as being nearly as important as his own ambition and that's what we have to move away from like we have to start acting like there are consequences because there are like 
I mean, Trump didn't care. Trump also expected to lose. He yeah. was planning to, to launch Trump yeah. TV on the back of his campaign. Yeah. yeah. Which he was horrified when he is, won. He, this has been he was the best horrified. four years of marketing for his Trump I mean, TV. That, that, uh, it's talk about a platform. Well, this is um, it. He and, and Melania was horrified. She didn't think, you know, yeah, none of their yeah. inner circle thought they were going to win. And it was an unpleasant surprise. And it should never be that. It's, it, you have the courage you, of convincing. And, and the problem is be. that you don't find this funny. And I find no, it I, hilarious. Like, I, look, I find I, it, I can I, think things are funny and horrifying. This is the yeah. Tucker and Dale versus evil of like <laughs> real life politics. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it is horrendous, but at the same time, what precursed this in Britain? Mm. I remember when uh, Jamie and I did a show on BBC Six Music, and we—it was 2010—and mm. we walked into the studio, and a very famous broadcaster, who certainly is a champagne lefty, was on air before us, and we. Mm -hmm walked into the studio and he was about to hand over shows to us and he was watching the tv in there and he said the words that's the labor party out of business for 20 years and he was looking at the screen and it was when the the vote had happened to pick ed Miliband over david Miliband, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and he was absolutely right uh, Ed Miliband, who, by the way, apparently does a great podcast, and like mm. so many ex-politicians, is show, shows how smart and erudite and great he can be now that he's not trying to be With an rap, actor. Yeah. Um, yeah. He, uh, I, I watched Ed for for those years, and I had no doubt whatsoever that he was not going to be voted in because this is a huge it, I, I think that entertainment should be taken seriously that's my that's my motto in life full stop and stop which is why when we had the fatima the ballerina's next job might be in tech um thing you know i hate people who um, are entertainers or journalists or media people i hate them being discredited or just being underestimated because mm. these things are crafts they are difficult they are not um, they're things that are supposed to look easy. And most people, if they did, it would look like a tool. Yeah. Um, anyway, the point is, um, I hate the fact that um, I, I am not saying that what Trump and, and, and um, Boris have done, I don't, I don't respect what they've done, but I yeah. am saying that this, the prerequisite for who you have as a leader needs to be first and for, well, not first and foremost, but it needs to be equally as important that they've got content, but also they are the lead singer of the band and not the drummer. Don't mm. pick the drummer. If Chris Martin wasn't the lead singer of Coldplay, they would not have sold any records, right? The drummer is not as good. And Labour just kept putting up the drummer. And it takes it doesn't matter how brilliant they are. I think you would be a brilliant prime minister, Helen. I think I would be a brilliant <laughs> prime minister. But based on maybe our accents or maybe the way we look or whatever, ultimately you still have to get a majority of people to vote for you who are your natural enemy. <laughs> or you need to at least aim for that. You need to think about that whilst also energizing the people who would vote for you. 
Yeah, yeah, and I think um, that's one of the ways Corbyn... And Boris was a shoe-in because we were, we were hungry for, uh, for from being able to... For, people were hungry for being able to say, finally, this person doesn't sound like they're lying to me, even if they are liars. So mm. you get an old man on a stool in the middle of Texas in a bar who talks shit constantly can look at Trump and say, I know what that is. I know who that is. He talks shit just in the same way that I talk shit. What they're not getting is this vision of um, blandness that had come before. Mm. And the, the most upsetting thing for me is the, is the, mm. PR, the PR control that came post Blair. And Blair was very good at looking into a camera and communicating with people. But the control from that point on, if you look at Gordon Brown trying to talk, Ed Miliband trying to talk, Jeremy Corbyn trying to talk, it's just really poor communication skills. Mm. So what's left, what fills the vacuum is people who don't give a fuck about what their communications people tell them because they're such bumbling personalities that we vote for well, the personality. This, I mean, no, I, I, I completely, completely get the power of personality, but I just think we as voters, I guess, and certainly as just human beings on the earth, have got to start looking for something in addition. Like, I just, you well, know, I would 100%. The, we have to pick the better person. We have to get involved with the parties. Yeah. And, and make sure that... A, person is selected because um to talk about box sets for one second the uh um and i justify this podcast by the way and it all being about tv and the media um <laughs> what's uh, the uh, series of unfortunate events yep um so patrick what's his name uh neil patrick harris neil patrick harris oh if you've seen the jim carrey version very similar jim character Carrey's, yep I want you to imagine that you've got a vote. You've got a vote for who you would like to be prime minister. That hmm. character, Neil Patrick Harris or Jim Carrey, as that character versus... Count Olaf. Yeah, Count Olaf versus um, just imagine... Violet Beauregard. <laughs> well, even Violet's a good character. I'm thinking about, you know, a traffic warden. Mm. <laughs> Your average traffic warden. Most, but there's no question that Count Olaf would win. It's not about whether or not people think he's evil or capable of doing evil. They're voting for somebody who they think they know who they are. Like, yeah, that's I, the no, I know, but got to. I know this. Yeah, I just, I'm, I know it. I'm very, very frustrated by it, but I do, I do understand. I just think, you know, Boris has made an entire lifetime of lying about stuff and not caring that he's getting stuff wrong or that he's made stuff up, literally not caring. And I, I just, the disconnect there is, is really stunning to me. I, I'm, you know, is. like the, the counter argument, by the way, to all this is like yeah. Joe Biden is not the most energizing figure in the democratic party. No, but Joe but what Biden. you have there is a, what you have there is a majority of the American people a 5 million or 6 million strong majority of the american people going i ju- i just want to be able to not yeah. pay attention to his tweets again you, i mean it's the one example we kept 
thinking in the last couple of elections in Britain that we were going to get a protest vote. And actually what we found out was it was the exact opposite. Mm. But the And so I really thought that Trump was going to win this latest one. Um, and I, I didn't, but I worried because the, yeah. the potential was there. Um, I was just so used to the disappointment that I thought yeah, well, we're going to get mean, another one. But when you look at it and you go, so in order for Biden to scrape it, in order to actually win a um, an anti-vote, hmm. you have to actually be going through a pandemic where <laughs> millions of yeah. people are catching a flipping flu. Like that's how bad it has to be. And that's how important it is that you have hmm. to put up the lead singer, put somebody up because... Because you when you say people. he's a liar, when you say Boris appears to be, of course, I'm looking at Boris and in my heart of hearts, I can tell you that whilst I would never have voted for Boris because I understand the politics beneath that, I mm. totally get why everybody voted for Boris because... Because he's been on, have I, I got am news a liar. You and he's funny and he's, yeah. Well, yeah, and, and, yeah, and also is, I am okay. a liar. I, I, we are yeah, all yeah, liars. Yeah. We're all flawed. I'm saying whether you pick the hero or the villain, pick a character that people believe is, is okay. real. But, okay, but here's my thing with that, okay? Um, so first of all, I feel like we as a society again, and I see this in obviously movie journalism, have become too fucking fixated on villains. We are obsessed with giving the villains a motivation a sympathetic mm. ear so they're not just bad they've got a point guys i mean the thanos kind of situation and and at some point no they're just bad guys he literally just killed half the universe he doesn't get points for his motivation none yeah. whatsoever yeah dust the bastard i don't care right yeah so first of all I feel like we are I, coming from understandable sympathy commendable even sympathy and an attempt to understand our enemies, we are giving our enemies too much credit yes. because ultimately their motivations don't matter if what they do is evil, right? That's, so that's my kind of... do when, the, 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 like the, the other balance for me is going, don't, I had a brilliant interview with John Stewart who was explaining mm. that you probably did when he was released irresponsible or... Ir oh, okay, no, I haven't, haven't heard it. it summed up very quickly. I think we've got three minutes here. Um, summed up very quickly. The, the, if you go to watch a concert and it's a genre concert, if you go to a country gig or a techno gig or a jazz gig, you know the audience, you know what they want and you know how to please them. That is the right wing. It tends to be mm. very similar minded people who have a certain set of values and it's very easy to communicate there. And the other thing, of course, is the right wing is more authoritarian. So they're more likely to, even if they disagree with each other, go along, with. Go along yeah. with it. Um, so get behind the leader no matter who it is. Get yeah. it. On the left, you have a vast array of people that range from champagne socialists, probably like me, right the way down to um, activist groups of all kinds and activist mm -hmm. groups that disagree with each other Massively, and union yeah. groups that disagree with each other. And the unions disagree with the activists and the, and the champagne socialists are hate by all of them, but they're the ones that get elected. And so the left is this not a genre concert it's this huge random selection it's like trying to please everybody in an airport at one time with one choice of song it's really difficult now um one of the the, the lies that are being spun that that method of of um sticking to this narrative of like fake news or whatever the agenda is whatever the bullshit is it wears us down. It makes us feel exhausted. Those who believe in actual balance or truth or whatever. And John Stewart's kind of point was don't let it get you down. Be, yeah. be vocal and yeah. um, 
take things on and look to change the systems. Don't look to challenge. So if I see a YouTube video that's got 300 comments on it that are all slagging a journalist off, for example, um, in that situation, I don't write a comment on there at the moment. And, I, and I'm mm. of two minds. Should I get involved there? Or am I just am I just joining their party? Like ultimately, if I comment under a video by some idiot, am I almost giving a the mind of another commenter or mm. am I actually adding a click standing? Uh, am I going to the concert by doing that? Is it better yeah. to ignore them? I mean, I think individually one by one, it's not. Um, it's interesting. I've always had this, uh, policy if you like of engagement with trolls to an extent to an extent mm. I've, I've become a little bit heavier on the band button with a couple of groups mm. but my general approach has been even if somebody comes and says something mean to actually argue it out with them and i'm not necessarily polite or kind when i argue mm. it if i think they're in bad faith but i will argue it out and most of the time those people don't come back because they can't actually argue the points one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Now, I'm lucky that I'm in, you know, a sort of a small enough corner of the internet that they do come usually one by one and not hundreds at a time. I'm not saying that this works for everybody who is the, the victim of Twitter mobs or any other kind of, of, kind of online harassment. Mm. But sometimes one-on-one, -on -one, I think you can a little bit get through to people and a little bit encourage them to, at the very least, reconsider their arguments to make better arguments. Yeah which they usually can't do. So I, I think I was telling you just before we hit record, uh, at one point I got in an argument with a bunch of men's rights activists online who believe that, you know, we do live in a sexist society, but it's men who are the real victims here. And uh, look, just to be clear, like the patriarchy has horrific results for men. Like it, you know, means men can't necessarily feel comfortable expressing their feelings. It means they don't necessarily have the freedom to express themselves. Suicide. However they want Dyer, without being... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There are, there are real, real issues that uh, the men face as a result of the patriarchy, but to suggest that therefore it's women's fault only or principally, I don't think is fair because I think everybody has to dismantle the patriarchy and together and be more equal. And mm. then maybe we'll see things improve in those respects, as well as in terms of, you know, rape and, and, you know, abortion, all the things, all the problems that women face as well. Anyway, the point is, all of these guys, and there were tens of, if not hundreds of them coming at me to argue over the course of about a week after I got drawn into this. They only had like three different examples mm. of, you know, really killer arguments they thought would really destroy my point of view. Like yeah. one of them was um, in World War I, some women gave some men white feathers and shamed them into going off to die in World War One, right? Now, never mind that that was 100 years ago. Never mind that the White Feather Movement was started by a man. Never mind that that was not exactly the only thing pressuring men to go off to war. Never mind that the war was started by men. It was women's fault. Yes. According to these men, all because of these white feathers that were handed out. Yeah. But, but like, when you have tens of guys coming to you with this argument that men are the real victims here because of the white feathers a hundred years ago. I mean, that's a weak argument. If that's all you got guys, come on, you've got to see that there are other things happening. And, but I, but I, th I think, yeah, you know, well, I think so in that case, I did have to block a bunch of people because it was just unrelenting and I got bored. Yeah. Um, but a few of those people at least engaged enough to go away and stop on of their own accord. 
because you know you've <laughs> got to see that your argument is not that strong and i think yeah. that's if you can have one-on-one -on -one conversations then you can sometimes get through to people but i think the really important thing is to do is well, well one thing is to kind of get some media awareness read around don't just trust was it the OAN that a lot of people are using in the States or Fox or the Sun or the Mail or whoever it is that you read, like read more widely? Um, because you will find a very, very different picture. And that's not because the journalists are, you know, kowtowing to their big money bosses. It's sometimes because they know what the facts are, guys. This is, I, I am so livid about this point that I am so protective over journalists that um, there is a divide between... There, there are some scum arsehole journalists who, you know, oh, yeah. traditionally work in the work for newspapers and red tops um, that essentially journalists who are broadcasters and journalists who work for Empire Magazine and people like that. And um, they're under much greater rules. They are trained, mm. they are seeking balance and they're good people and they try and be fair and, and they live under far greater scrutiny than anybody in their normal job would live under imagine doing your normal job and every sentence you said to somebody that day was questionable was questioned or able to be questioned or able to be a lie or fake or late or early whatever um it would be horrendous for you and and without at the moment there seems to be the internet is saying journalists are fake fake news bring them down the mainstream media is a disgrace i mean Let's live in a world now where we do that, where we remove the mainstream media. What are we left with there? How do you find out about a pandemic that's coming around the corner? How, how do you find out, how do you have somebody asking a politician if they really did steal this money or embezzle this money? You literally have no connection to the world. Other than what? Are you going to reintroduce town criers? Like, is that how you're going to communicate things or is that the level this is of it. People are, people investigation? Are replacing, people are replacing the quote unquote mainstream media with these very, well, I mean, just dodgy sources. They're just, you yeah. know, it's, it, it's, it's a weird disconnect to me that you're going to be so suspicious of the mainstream media. You're going to cut them off from your life because you can't trust them, but you're going to trust some dude on with a Facebook page. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I don't, I don't get that thinking. I really don't. And and I, I mean, I understand intellectually what their argument is. Oh well, he's, you know, unconnected. He's beholden to no one. Therefore, mm -hmm. he can tell us the truth. But what reason does he have to Are tell the you the truth? That you yeah, can trust? and and I think that there is a problem about protagonism. <laughs> Let's say mm. protagonism is a word, right? Um, we are fundamentally good people. People are good, I believe. They are also mm. bad, but they are good. And we believe somebody, we take things at face value when people say things. Mm. So, and what we do with the protagonist is we, when we watch a film, we imagine that we are the lead character, which is why it's important not just to have white men as the lead character exactly. of everything, etc. cetera. Um, however, that's what we do. And a good one, a good protagonist, it doesn't matter who the lead character is you we all are so universal and we're so behind them that it's awesome and those films are great now what we do with trump boris the guy on the internet who says something somebody who says don't worry climate change isn't happening 
um, is we do the same thing. They are, we see something intimately and we imagine that they are us. So mm-hmm. when Dominic Cummings get, gets sacked finally, um, people are in tears. Some people will be in tears because they'll be saying this is cancel culture, it's disgraceful. What they're really doing is imagining that they are Dominic Cummings and saying he's a human being and this hurts. Yep. I shouldn't this- be gotten rid of. This is a point I was going to make earlier and then I forgot what I was saying by the time I got to the bit about Thanos. But absolutely, that's exactly what I was going to say earlier. So this is actually something I've written about a little bit in in my book, um, which is coming out in February. Which is called... It's called Women versus Hollywood, The Fall and Rise of Women in Film. So it's basically a film history looking past, (laughs) present, and future. (laughs) I know, right? Jesus. (laughs) But it's basically... It's it's just looking at... Men worked in Hollywood as well. What about men, eh? Eh? Well, you'll be glad to know I went through the the, um, the index yesterday and there's there's huge numbers of male names in there. But... um, (laughs) (laughs) But, As long as there's a majority, it's fine. Carry on. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But this is the thing, right? So, So... there were women at the sort of early dawn of Hollywood, the silent era, there were women who were directing and producing and editing all sorts of jobs. But as Hollywood became more uh, professional and more uh, of an industry, women were forced out because that was not compatible with the day. You couldn't have a woman in a position of power. It just made you look weird, you know? And then it's literally only in the last 20, 30 years that women have really begun in any kind of numbers to work their way back in. And they still make up no more than about 12% of feature directors of major Hollywood pictures, despite being about 50% of uh, you know, people going into film school and they have been for 20 or 30 years. Anyway, so that's all kind of happening behind the scenes. But my point here was about um, exactly what, what you were just saying. Protagonism. What were you just saying? Protagonism. This, this tendency we have to no it was after that what did you say after that that we are putting ourselves in their position so dominic cummings or whatever oh yes okay right so when i got to the chapter about sort of me too and Mm. stuff like that yes what you run into what you find with a lot was let's say with mel gibson right yeah who is a very popular guy historically in hollywood yeah well liked by his fellow castmates his crew his directors everybody else yeah and then of course hates the gibson happened yeah mel gibson happened and what you have is a lot of people um, yeah. lining up to give him a second chance. Right. So you had a lot of people in uh, when he was going to be, he was hired briefly for, I think it was the hangover part two, I think he was going to be in. Right. He was actually hired. And then there was basically a revolt from the cast and crew who went Ooh. to the studio and said, no, right. essentially. This, this is well documented. This is not coming from me. Yeah. Um, and you had some people who were very uncomfortable with that in the cast and crew because they were sort of saying, essentially, you know, where he goes, so might we. And it is this tendency that we all have to acknowledge our own faults mm. and say, well, yes, I've lied to, I've been hypocritical to, maybe I've sometimes had a racist thought to, I've sometimes had a, a homophobic thought to, I have been unkind to a whole other group of people in, I maybe have, only in the privacy of my, ha- my own I, head, but I, I have done it. times that I had drunk driven and had a massive verbal bender about the Jews I, 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 more times than I've had hot dinners, Helen. <laughs> but there is this tendency to give each other the benefit of the doubt, and it is a commendable yes. and a good uh, tendency. Yeah. And we, we feel like we would be hypocritical to judge him for what he said when he was drunk, because mm-hmm. we know we said that unkind thing about Karen that one time we were drunk yeah. or whatever, you know? <laughs> Fucking hate Karen. But, but at yeah. the same time, at some point, hypocrisy is the lesser evil, right? And we can say, I know I have... Let's say you're, a, you're not a great person and let's say you say to yourself, look, I have cheated on my 
spouse and I have gotten divorced and I have um, slept with a porn star and I have, you know, gotten into, um, I've failed to pay my bills and I have been bankrupt a bunch of times. And therefore I forgive all these things in Trump because it would be hypocritical not to. The lesser evil in that sense is to be hypocritical and say, I'm still going to judge Trump as unfit for office. It is the lesser evil to say, I have lied, but I'm still going to judge Boris Johnson for lying because you shouldn't do it when you're prime minister. Mm. That is the lesser evil. And, and I think we all have to be maybe a little bit more judgmental, a little bit more hypocritical, um, and a little bit more, uh, less tolerant of other people's flaws because it's, they're taking advantage of us. They're taking advantage. But then are you becoming the monster that you're trying to slay? I don't know that we are actually, as long as it's the lesser evil. Mm. I just, I just don't think, you know, I think if you're running for public office or if you're trying to pick up million dollar paychecks for starring in a film you sh- it's okay to hold you to a slightly higher standard yeah i i, I blame marketing departments <laughs> you know it's like uh how to it's not even sorry people with marketing departments i don't mean that i mean there has to there is no place for nuance hmm but there has to be a place for nuance in, in some yeah. way, shape or form, or at least you, you don't have to be nuanced to have rules. You can mm. say, for example, let's say there's a celebrity who enters a court case and loses that court case. And then as a studio, you fire that person. That's perfectly fine. If those are your rules, um, mm. do it. But I kind of want to see the rules. Like I, I believe it would help everybody if you said, here's what we're doing and here is why we're doing it. And here's the logic that backs that up. And I think some but, people do I mean, do that, but some places yeah, do that, do that. Well, in, in, in studio cases, for example, a lot of the time, those kind of employment contracts will have some kind of morality clause. Now, not every piece of behavior will be spelled out, but there will be a general morality clause in many, many contracts of that sort. I don't know about obviously any specific ones cause we're talking hypothetically, of but, that's that's a thing that exists in the world but i don't think that's communicated to us i don't think i i, I think that I the mean, line of, i feel like we're i feel like we're pretty clear on that do you not i mean i just i just feel like if if you heard that you know uh celebrity x you know stole a car and was then let go from their unrelated to cards job yeah you'd be like yeah i kind of see why they had to do that no i don't i, I, don't, I, I don't think that's if it was unrelated to cars like if they'd been arrested let's say somebody had been well let's go go the full hog someone committed a murder and they went to prison for 30 years okay when they left prison i.e served their time that's a different should thing. they be allowed a job as i say an actor but that's a different thing that's a very different thing from, say, Mel Gibson. It's a very different thing from your hypothetical with an actor who loses a court case. It's, um, that is a case where somebody, not to be a cliche, but like did the time. They have done that's, the time, though, haven't they? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, the, no, in, in my example, they've done yeah. the time as well. That, so that's a different right. thing. So that person, there's no deserves, more question of that. Deserves now, a job. It may well be that the victim's family speaks out it may well be that huge numbers of people agree with the victim's family and it may well be that the person trying to give that celebrity that job actually turns around and goes you know what this was a bad idea it's going to cost us in in terms of goodwill and you know policy and everything else and they might turn around and think it and change their minds but you know that those are the kind of commercial decisions that we allow to happen i don't know how you get around that 
well, if, the, if that person, if, if there's a question over somebody's head, um, for example, when Harvey Weinstein is on trial or whatever, mm. and there's a question over the head and they are um, in line for court, uh, then yes, I get it. No work. And, but when society is, when justice has been mm. ruled, for me, that's the point at which, like if, if somebody isn't a danger to the people on that set, if they're not a danger to society, in other words, if they are not serving a sentence. I think the point is, right, in that hypothetical, like, first of all, I don't have any problem with a person who has come out of prison getting a job. Like, I think we should absolutely be supporting people back into work because otherwise you just end up with more people in prison. Like, it's a yeah. bad idea. But if you're talking about like a celebrity being yeah. offered an incredibly well-paid, presumably, job yeah. after serving a, a prison sentence for something as heinous as murder, which is our, our hypothetical, yeah, I you know I think I would understand there being a, reputa- a potential reputational cost for that. That is not someone who is trying to, you know, um, support themselves. That is somebody who has is trying to kind of play the system maybe to an extent. And and the problem is you don't have a right to other people's good opinion of you. You don't, and you have to deal with that. No, that's like, true. That's normal, true. If, normal people have to deal with that every day. You know, if people don't buy if the box office doesn't work. The box office doesn't work. So I, I yeah. also get that. You know, commercial organisation, it's their choice. Like go, go with their choice is going to be commercial. Yeah. But for me, morally speaking, I start from the point of view that um, I don't start from the point of view that we live in a world where actors are perfect human beings. And, no, no, and of course that's not. where the that's where the problem begins. Is that we? But they don't have to be. Nobody's saying perfect. Like we, yeah. But we forgive a huge array of behaviour in 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 the idols that we we have and we love. We we forgive a lot. Actually, doesn't doesn't happen in music very much. Musicians can get away with anything. Film stars, nope. A bit like well, I mean, there's been quite a lot of stories. I mean, okay, this is mostly stuff that was covered up. But you know, Clark Gable was involved in a fatal hit and run. Um, and mm-hmm. that was covered up by the studio. Um, so was, I think, John Huston. This was covered up. As a I, that was covered. Ma- no, that's a different thing. I know. Essentially, like do heroin, hang out of a tree, and then crash a car, and then just go on stage, and that's fine. I, <laughs> I know. Look, there are there are celebrities working today who have been involved in fatal car crashes. Yeah. Um, and who are that was documented, and that was, you know, yeah, known quite at a the dip time for a long time, though, didn't they? I think. Uh, uh, the one I'm thinking of, it was back in the 80s, and uh, that's Does their name is... begin with an M? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that person disappeared. I didn't, certainly didn't do as well as you would have expected. No, but then you've got, you know, you've got things like the... Um, I don't know how much I want to say about this on air. Do you know what? We have got... to stop. I am yeah, 20 minutes late for, for uh, someone oh, who's waiting for me, and I, I'm too addicted oh, no. to this conversation. <laughs> Do you want to do it again if we can in the next Sure, let's do it. So we'll do a part two because Helen is going to do a podcast of her own leading up to Christmas about Christmas films. So Um, we should talk about that as well. Um, Yes. But I also think that Helen is uh, so multifaceted and lucidly (laughs) expressive about the issues of politics and media combined that I thought this might be an interesting thing. If anyone's made it to the end of this podcast, congratulations. Yeah, I'm so sorry for all the... Win a pot of gold. Uh, (laughs) You've been interested. Um, Thanks, Helen. All right. Talk to you soon. uh, Speak to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Box Set Pod. Bye.
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.